Blessings to you, my friend. This is Pastor McGee with Empowerment Ministries Christian Center, and you're listening to Empower the City Podcast. I pray today that your hearts are blessed, minds renewed, and you are infused with the passion to serve God like never before. Blessings to you, and enjoy the message. Book of 2 Timothy chapter number 2, verses 19. The Bible declares, nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm. Sealed with this inscription, the Lord knows those who are his. And everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. That's powerful. In a large house, look at what he dives into. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some for special purposes, and then there are some for common use. 21 declares, those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. The word is already blessed now in Jesus' mighty name. For the past couple of weeks, my friend, actually this is week number three, really excited about it. We launched a brand new series simply entitled Living the Crucified Life. That's right, Living the Crucified Life. And we, we define this, this thought of living the crucified life as this, an intentional lifestyle that guards against whatever hinders fellowship with God. Now, now understand, it's the person that has the mindset that I so value what I have with God that I'm going to do whatever it takes to guard the intimacy, the fellowship that I have with God. So in this particular text, um, 2 Timothy chapter number 2, verse number 20, so, so very, very powerful. The man of God launches into this example after challenging the people to cleanse themselves, to purge themselves, to turn away from wickedness. And he launches into this example. He says, in a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes and some are for common use. Now, I'll be honest with you, when I first took a look at this particular text, I, I really, it was hard for me to interpret it because I was looking through the lens of my particular culture. And, and this is my culture. Let, let me just take you there. So on last night, man, my wife, she, uh, man, that girl, she cooked some pork chop, y'all, at this world. I'm telling you, she put her baby toe, come on somebody, into that pork chop. And then my Aunt Charlotte, she came right behind her and, and she did these cabbages. And so so a brother really, really ate good on last night. So what's gonna happen nine and a half times out of ten when we get home this afternoon? Uh, Greg Jr. gonna go in there and say, Mama, I'm hungry. <laughs> she gonna say, It's a more pork chop in there. Go go heat something up. So Greg Jr. is gonna go into the cabinet, he's gonna open up the cabinet, and he's gonna pull out one of these world famous Paper plates. Can somebody say amen? I think I want to thank God for paper plates. Matter of fact, I need to invest in some stock in some paper plates because we use these religiously. Man, let one of my kids go in there and grab a plate, a real plate. Ooh, it's going to be on up in there. Come on, especially Greg Jr. because he don't wash dishes at all. So Greg Jr. is going to grab a, a paper plate. Now, in, in this particular plate, uh, this, this text, I would think that's what he was talking about in being useful. But there is another type of plate that I want to talk about, and it's not in our regular cabinet. It's, it's, what's called, it's in what's called a china cabinet. And in this china cabinet, my wife has these dishes, y'all. Yeah. And these dishes were actually passed down from like her great-great-aunt. And, and, and they're, 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 she calls them fine china. 
And these particular plates, we literally only eat on them maybe, maybe once every five years. Now, because I am a very smart guy, I did not bring her plate out of the china cabinet. Praise the Lord. I'm just, just calm down. She's looking at me crazy right now. This, we'll just act like that this is a plate out of her china cabinet. Now, now watch the wisdom. So if I wanted to be used in my house, which one do you think I would prefer to be? The fine china mm -mm, or the paper plate? If I wanted to be used, I would be the paper plate. But the context of what he's saying, the Apostle Paul, he's saying that God has special people that he wants to save. Therefore, I want to use special vessels. Y'all ain't saying nothing in this plate. God says, I don't want you to be a paper plate Christian. Come on, somebody. I want you to be a special vessel. Watch the wisdom here because I got special people that I want you to reach, people that I died for, people that I shed my blood for, people that I gave up my life for. They're special people, so I want you to be a special vessel. Y'all just help me preach for a moment and just put it in the, in, in the chat. Don't be a paper plate. I just want you to help me for a second. Help me to preach to your neighbor and just put in the chat. Don't be a paper plate. Look, look at what he says. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold, yeah, but silver but also of wood and clay. Let me jump down to verse number 19 because that's good there. He says, nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription. The Lord knows those who are his and everyone who confesses the name of the Lord, they must turn away from wickedness because I want you to be, here it is, here it is. God loves everybody. And let me, let me just narrow that down. He loves the whole world. We know that. But God loves his children. He loves all of his children. But watch this. The reality is he won't use all of his children the same. Because there are some who choose to be paper plates. They will not turn away from their wicked deeds. When the Bible says, turn away from wickedness, verse number 21, he says, cleanse yourselves, cleanse themselves from the latter. KJV says to purge yourself. Verse number 22, he says, flee the evil desires of youth. Now let's press pause there for a second, man, because I'm kind of tripping. I'm kind of tripping. If you like me, if you like me. I, matter of fact, I had a conversation with God just this morning, and I was telling God that I want to serve you for the rest of my life. I, that was my confession to God. I want to, I want to serve you for the rest of my life, and, and I don't want to just be a common use, but because you have special people that you want to use, I want to be a special dish that you call. Matter of fact, God, I want to be the one that you call for the hard cases. Come on, somebody. When they can't go to other people's churches because they're going to be judged, they're going to be looked down on, because maybe, maybe other pastors can't handle this type of stuff. Not trying to elevate myself above anybody else but I want to be used by God in this particular hour. So he's challenging the people to do these three things. Number one, turn away from wickedness, cleanse yourself, purge yourself, and then finally, he says, flee youthful lust. Now press pause there for a second. How many of you guys, how many of you guys have ever had anything in your life that you knew was not right? I mean, you knew that this is not, I'm, I'm, in, I'm involved in some stuff I'm just not supposed to be involved in right now. Spirit of God was pricking your heart. You knew that it was him, but for whatever reason, it was difficult from you to pull away from the thing that you knew wasn't right. Come on, somebody. How many of you know what it's like to have <laughs> entanglements? Y'all ain't saying nothing in this place. Something in your past that you're trying to break away from, but you, you just, it, you find it difficult. You know the word. You know enough word to condemn yourself. 
You know enough word to send your own self to hell. Y'all ain't saying nothing in this place. But after knowing the word of God, after knowing that the Bible is telling me to turn away from wickedness, cleanse myself, to purge myself of youthful lust, I'm finding it difficult to pull away, to turn away, to cleanse myself. Well, I'm so excited because the Apostle Paul in all of his writings, this is what he does. He gives the standard of what you should do, and then he gives you practical application of how you can do it. I want to help somebody in this place again. In the Pauline epistles, what he often does to the churches, he would tell them what I want you to do, and then he would give them the practical application of how you should do it, how you can accomplish this. And I'm talking to somebody right now that's entrapped in some stuff that God has been dealing with your heart, telling you to turn away, to cleanse yourself, to flee youth. I, I love that. I love that statement, youthful lust, flee youthful lust. That means that you old and still entertaining stuff like you young. Y'all ain't saying nothing in this place. Old self wearing a miniskirt. The devil is absolutely a liar. The Bible declares, flee youthful lust. So help me, pastor. I'm in an, in an entanglement. I'm in an entrapment. I'm in a place right now that I know I should. I'm in paper plate relationships when God want to use fine china. Help me to get there. Well, the scripture teaches, verse number 22, it says, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. There it is right there. I'm telling you, when, when, when I first read this particular passage, I was, I was looking for the meat, man. I was looking for the nugget. I saw the challenge, turn away, cleanse yourself, purge yourself. I, I saw the challenge, but I'm looking for the practical application. And I was reading too fast. I had to slow down. He says, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, and love. This is how you do it. You do it with along those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Let me just trip with you just for a moment, man, because we're living in an hour now where there's too many people that are trying to live the Christian life isolated as though they are an island. And I'm telling you, if you're going to really live for God in this particular hour, you're going to have to do it within the context of the community. You can't do it by yourself, my friend. There is a very, very popular song that came out, I believe, in the 90s sometime. The woman of God, she sung a song and she says, as long as I got King Jesus, I don't need nobody else. Love the beat, but the, th the, 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 theory, the, the, the lyrics are a lie. Come on, somebody. Because a Jesus is the head of the church. Your brother and the sisters are members of the body. Come on, somebody. And although you need the head, you can't function without hands. You can't function without your feet. Come on, somebody. There are other instruments within the body that you need. And there are too many believers in this hour that they are falling by the wayside and don't even understand why. Because you have disconnected yourself from the rest of the body. I wonder, can you say? Amen right there. Watch this in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter number four, verses number nine. The Bible declares two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either, if either of them falls down, one can help them up. Man, that's so good. Look at the rest of this scripture. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help. Pity, the Bible declares, is anyone who has cut all the people, all the accountability partners off in your life and only, only have attracted enablers. Pity is that person. Proverbs 27, 5, the Bible declares better is open rebuke than hidden love. If some of you guys could rip that out of your Bible, you would do it. I'm talking about like right now. Because don't be, don't be rebuking me up in here. And sure don't be open re rebuking me. The Bible says that open rebuke, my friend, it is better than secret hidden love. Verse number 6 declares wounds from a friend can be trusted. Man, that's so good. But an enemy multiplies kisses. Wounds from a, from a friend can be, 
can be trusted, but an, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Watch this. I was studying this the other day, and this is what I heard God whispered in my ear. I'm t- I just want to, this ain't Greg. I'm telling, watch this. This is from God. There are some of you guys right now, don't be offended. You might be, but don't be. There are some of you guys right now, you got some fake friends. I'm telling you. Let me just pause and let that marinate in the atmosphere. There are some of you guys, I'm talking about right now, you got some fake friends. And the reality is, not all of you all, but some of you guys, you yourselves are fake friends. Pastor Me, you're going to have to help me with this fake friend stuff. A fake friend is anybody who say they love you, but when they see you in wrong, they don't do nothing. They don't say nothing. They see you in error. Come on, somebody. But they, they close their eyes and they act like they don't see nothing and they call themselves your baby. You got some fake friend. And matter of fact, oh God, let me go ahead and go there. For, for the past 15 years, I've been in a pastoral ministry. Some of your fake friends have come to me after you have fallen into something crazy and said, oh, pastor, I saw her going down that slippery slope, but I didn't want to say nothing because you know how she is. You know, we just got on good terms again, and I ain't want to mess things up. So you, I ain't even saying that. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm telling you, this has happened more than I would like to admit. The devil is absolutely a liar. How you call her your friend? But you, va- oh my God, you see the devil with the dagger in her back. And you choose not to say nothing because you want to remain cool with her. The devil is absolutely a lie. Man, hurt my feelings if it means sparing my soul. The Bible declares, faithful are the wounds of a friend. If I'm really your friend, there are because you're human and imperfect and because I'm human and imperfect, there are times when we're going to trade being accountability partners where you're going to see something in me that I cannot see. Y'all ain't saying nothing in this place. And I'm going to have to stand up and say, you are wrong. That is not right. Y'all ain't saying nothing in this place. Luke 17 and 3, the Bible declares, pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins now, man, you better open up your mouth and say something. Don't see me going to hell. Don't see me falling in a ditch. And you, well, that's just you. You'll be all right. No. Say something if you're going to call yourself my friend or my brother. Galatians 6 and 1 says, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, don't just say something, restore, 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 restore. You have a mandate, sir, woman of God, man of God. When you see something that's not right in your friend, in your brother or sister, you have got to say something or blood is going to be on your hands. Now, I want to show you two scriptural examples of confrontations. People who love their brothers, people who love their, their, their ministry companions enough not to see them in error and just be silent. No, I saw you in error and I even went so far to jeopardize what we had. Come on, somebody, because there are times I'm telling you right now, the Bible declares the Bible calls the devil. Watch this. The God of this world. And in that particular scripture, it names its fun- his function. He says the God of this world blinds the minds of people. So what the devil's agenda is, watch this, it's the Lord over your life through you not seeing his hand. So there are times when the enemy shows up and he is active in an individual. That's why we're studying spiritual warfare right now, because I want you to be able to, to, to lift the blinders off of your eyes and help your brother to see his faults better so that he can get on the right track so he can stop being a paper play Christian. 
The Bible declares that the God of this world, the devil, his agenda is to blind the minds of the people. So there are times when people are blind to what they're in. I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. When they're in love, when they're in love, they can't see. But somebody around them can see red flags. Somebody around them can see warning signs and say, hey, everything ain't everything. I'm not saying that ain't the will of God. I'm not saying that's not your wife, that's not your husband, but everything ain't quite everything. And I know you in love and you willing to put up with whatever right now, but as soon as the infatuation wake up, baby, don't wake up in the bed and you ain't dealt with stuff prior to that you were supposed to deal with prior to getting married. It was somebody friend that saw some things that should have said something, but chose not to say something and your friend went through hell. Let me give you a scriptural example. Galatians chapter number two, verses number 11. As you can see, I'm pretty, I'm pretty passionate about this thing because we're, th this is where we are. I need, I need y'all to hear your boy for a second. This is where we are, man. So um, in the middle of the pandemic, in the middle of the pandemic, so you guys don't come here on Sunday mornings anymore. We hadn't, what has been since March, babe? <laughs> since March, April, May, June, July, five, five months. Wow, that we haven't been in person. So not only have I not seen you and some of the more senior saints or just accountability saints, we hadn't really interacted. Even in small groups, we've been doing small groups on via Zoom since March as well. So watch the wisdom. So if you were to fall in something dumb and you brush past me, there are now I, <laughs> I, I, I don't see everything. I don't see everything, but there are times when God just highlights stuff in my spirit. But, and, and because you're in my, my immediate space, there's something that I highlight in my spirit. I just ask you, is everything, everything going? How, how you and the wife doing? Oh, Pastor, me and me, we, we doing we, we real good. You, you sure? Everything, everything? I, I'd be able to pick some things up. Or maybe if I didn't catch it Sunday, maybe, maybe somebody in your small group on a Thursday night or on a Wednesday night, it's, it's just eight of you guys sitting around the table. And, and when y'all start talking about certain subjects, your small group leader will look at you and they'll, they'll notice and you, you felt that you, you made a little smirk. You weren't able to, you weren't able to cancel the video. Y'all ain't saying nothing. I would have saw the smirk. So, and when I saw the smirk as a small group leader, after a small group, I would have came to you and I would have said, hey, hey, I, I just kind of noticed like your, your spirit was a little different, man, when we start talking about this particular topic. And, and so we'd have a conversation. You'd be like, yeah, th this is what's going on in, in my life. So we don't have this in-person deal. So there are some of you guys that have been suffering. Oh, God, this is so good. And because you've had the wrong people around you, nobody that's really wanting to hold you accountable. There's some of you guys have people around you. You don't even they don't even care if you fall. Matter of fact, they want you to start getting high again so y'all can kick it and hang out. They want you to start clubbing again. They want you to start drinking again so y'all can be like y'all used to be. No accountability at all. And that's what the enemy is. The enemy is trying to set the people of God up. And I'm telling you today, the devil is absolutely a liar. There are certain people that some of you guys are connected to that God wants to use you to say something. Let me show you how this looks. Galatians, man, is this making sense to any? Lady McGee, am I doing okay? Is this making sense, sweetheart? G Galatians chapter number two, verses number 11. The Bible declares, but when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face. Yeah, for what he did, it was very wrong. Verse number 12 declares, when he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised, but afterwards, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. 
He was afraid of criticism <clears throat> from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. Now, now watch, 13 is crazy, y'all. Look at 13. As a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy and even Barnabas. Now, now this is crazy. Paul says, watch this, number one, I got to confront Peter just because he wrong. I, I love my brother. I don't want to see him in error. And although we, I might jeopardize our friendship, our ministry partnership, I must say something because I don't want my brother to be in the wrong. But even the more him, there are people that look up to Peter that's following his hypocrisy. And if I don't say something, the apostle Paul rebuked him openly. If I don't say something about this, not only would he remain in error, but he's going to lead other people. It's crazy. He says other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy. And then Peter writes, excuse me, then Paul writes, and he said, even Barnabas. Barnabas is one of the chief leaders in the church at this particular time. So look, look how big this issue is. Peter is falling away. He's taking some believers with him. But not only is he taking believers, other believers, he's taking another leader down the same road of the fall. And if Barnabas fall, whoever's connected to Barnabas, guess what they're going to do? They're going to fall too. So he says, when I saw, when I, when I saw what was going on, that they were not following the truth of the gospel message, I said to Peter, I had to deal with this, man. I had to deal with it. Let me give you another scripture. In the book of 2 Samuel chapter number 11, uh, David is in a, in a bad situation. The scripture declares that he's supposed to be out fighting. He's, it's, this is the time when kings go out to battle. But David stayed at home, walking on his roof. He sees a naked woman. He asks, who is that woman? One of his servants says, that is Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah. David don't care. David says, bring her to me. He seduces her, sleeps with her, sends her home, and she sends a message back as she says, I'm late. I can imagine being David. What, what you late for? I mean, what? What you got? A, you got a dental appointment? You got a doc? What, what's going on? No, it ain't that kind of late, David. I'm pregnant. David gets in his flesh again and says, "I gotta fix this thing. Let me, let me bring your husband Uriah home from war. Let me bring him in, get him drunk, try to sleep with him. Because if he sleeps with you, the, the dates will just kind of line up, and and I'll just have this little son on the side." Who will just know he gets special treatment from King David? And maybe when he gets old enough, maybe Uriah dies before I do it. Then I tell you that you're really my son. But for, for, for right now, you're just going to get special treatments, special gifts, so forth and so on. But it didn't work because Uriah wouldn't participate. So you know what he did? You know the story. He had the Uriah killed, brought Bathsheba in, and he thought everything was everything. A full year later, look at the grace of God, y'all. See, there are times, man, when you see the hand of God fall on people, you see sometimes judgment, and everything that happens wrong ain't necessarily judgment. Everything that happens bad, it ain't necessarily judgment. But there are times when there is a final judgment of God on an individual's life, and, and sometimes we're, we're too judgmental ourselves trying to judge God or the person because we don't see the measure of grace that God gave that individual. God gave David a full year to repent and to get it right. He wouldn't get it right. So when we look at 2 Samuel chapter number 12, the Bible declares the Lord sent Nathan to David. He came to him. He said, there were two men in a certain town. Look, look at the wisdom of Nathan, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except the little ewe lamb he had brought, bought. He raised it and grew up, grew it up, 
with him and his children. It, it shared his food, drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now the traveler came to the rich man, but the, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. Look at verse number five. The Bible declares, David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this, he must die. Look, look at, look at the king, y'all, pronouncing judgment. Six declares he must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Verse number seven, Nathan, Nathan bust him out and said, then Nathan said to David, you are the man. Here's my question and I'm done. Who, who used to be your Nathan? I had, a, I had a question on my screen, who is your Nathan? But, but in the middle, before I got up here, God changed it on me. And, and here's the question, not who is your Nathan, who used to be your Nathan? I'm talking to somebody in here because there's somebody that God, notice the scripture declares that the Lord sent Nathan to Nathan, sent Nathan to David. I'm telling you, there are some people that God himself has sent in your life for the purpose of accountability. And you, with your prideful self, have cut your Nathans off because you grown, because you want to do it yourself. I'm a man just like you, a man. I'm a woman just like you, a woman. Yes, you are. But God did not design. If you're going to turn away from wickedness, if you're going to flee youthful lust, if you're going to purge yourself of these unclean things, you can only do it within confines of community. And one of the things that community brings about is accountability. My, my uncle, my uncle, <laughs> my uncle came to town. And one of the things I admire about my uncle, man, he loves his wife. He cherishes his wife. I try to model my marriage and my mannerism after his marriage. And watch this. Since he came to town, my wife hadn't touched the door handle. No day. Car door, nothing. We go in the grocery store. Before the thing open, I just, I go ahead and wave it and open it. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Why? Because my uncle ain't going to be like, are you, are you mistreating my niece? accountability the enemy is trying to cut that off so who who used to be your Nathan who who used to be your Nathan I'm, I'm telling you oh my god I understand my wife and I we've been married 20 years and let, let me tell you why you you want to know what the secret sauce is about our marriage Ooh. let me tell you why we still married because of Nathan because of Nathan that's why we still married because we got people in our lives that hold us accountable, that won't let her treat me wrong. They won't let me just dishonor. They won't let me talk to her any kind of way. Nathan, why you do that to your wife? What is? That's why we still married. I never forget. I never forget. This was. I'm gonna talk about you, babe. You can talk about me later when you get the microphone. But I never forget. My wife, she was tripping so hard. This was. This had to be like 15 years ago. I'm talking about that girl, she was tripping hard and she was wrong. And when I look at her in her eyes, I know she knows she's wrong. And I'm, look, I did all the fleshly tactics that I knew 
to, to, to get her to act right. Watch this. I fussed. I argued. I gave her the silent treatment. We went three days. We ain't talk. And out of everything I did, nothing worked. This girl wrong. She knows she wrong, but she won't change. I'm tripping. What's up? So I did something, and I, it, was, it was just God. I didn't know the wisdom of what I'm telling you right now. It just, it just came to me. I picked up the phone, and I, I called I call Arthur Siggers. She said, what you calling him for? I said, because we need to go sit and talk to him. Well, we need to go sit and talk with him for? We all right. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing, but I was calling my wife's Nathan. Now, this was crazy. To this very day, if we get in an argument and she really tripping, all I got to say is I'm calling Pastor Sickers. She said it is that she, she be telling me, she be telling me, you my pastor. I said, the devil is a lie. You, I'm not your pastor. Arthur Sickers is your pastor because that's the, when you tripping, that's the man I can call. And for whatever reason, you just get right. Who used to be your Nathan? That could explain why it's hard for you to get out of what you in right now. Because the people who God placed in your life to hold you accountable, you distanced yourself from them. And I'm telling you, that was a grave mistake. Grave, grave, grave mistake. I'm grateful for the fact, for the wisdom that God gave me to develop Nathan's. I remember uh, listening to a message from T.D. Jakes in 1996. 1996. And he was talking to preachers and he was talking about the three areas that the enemy attacks the most in preachers' lives. And I'm a young guy new to ministry, excited about the call of God, and I took these notes and, and, I, and I've, 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 I've placed them on the inside of me. David says, that word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. He said three areas, power, money, and sex. Power, money, and sex. He says, yes, the enemy can attack other areas, but these are the three primary areas that the enemy continues to ta attack and preachers continue to fall. So you know what I did, man, years ago, and I still have them now, right now. I have Nathans in my life that guard me concerning my leadership authority, concerning financial integrity, concerning sexual integrity. I have people that I have personally, watch this, personally, I have given them to write the right to ask me any sexual question, period, concerning my integrity. Pastor McGee, have somebody been flirting with you lately? Pastor McGee, have you been locked up in a room by yourself with another lady? Pastor McGee, have you been watching pornography? Pastor McGee, I gave them the license. And you know what? I need that pressure on me. You know why? Because they have the right and they have exercised the right. In the middle of a Christmas party, they came up to me and said, Pastor, I just want to ask you, how you been doing here? Every time, I want to make sure I have a good report that, no, the devil is absolutely a liar. I'm living right. I'm loving my wife. I'm honoring my wife. Watch this. This is not about salvation. It's about sanctification. Salvation is about my, it's about Jesus washing my soul, my friend, washing me of all of my sin. But sanctification is about me deciding no longer to be a paper plate because God don't want to serve his, his special people with a paper plate. The people that I want to save, the people that I died for, the people that I shed my blood for, I want to use a special vessel, and I want to be that vessel. So I set up Nathan's in my life. I told them, I promise, I'll never lie to you. I told I told all of them concerning sexual integrity, financial. If you ask me any question, I promise you I'll never lie to you. You know why? Because I want to make sure that I stay a vessel of honor. Who used to be your Nathan? Why you cut them off? 
Why you cut them off? Why you don't fellowship? Why you don't, why you don't, why you don't call them no more? Why you don't check in? You looking at them talking about, well, they ought to be checking on me. No, you need them more than they actually need. I'm telling you right now, I need Nathan more than Nathan needs me. Nathan can go on and be okay. But if he leaves me, he leaves me vulnerable. Because there's time when pride creeps into my life and I can't see. And I think I'm right, but I'm really wrong. And I become stubborn and pig-headed. And I'm, I'm, I'm determined to go into a ditch because I think I'm right. But Nathan checks and says, hold, hold, hold on, hold on, Pastor. Hold on, hold on. I need you to look at this from a different perspective now. Who used to be your Nathan? Who used to be your Nathan? I'm done, man. I'm done. This, this is what I want to do, man. God says you need to repent. You need to repent. And you need to, number one, repent to God. I'm, I'm talking to somebody. You need, you need to repent to God, number one. Number two, you need to make things right with Nathan. You need to humble yourself. That's what has caused you to be where you right, are right now. Many of you, I'm telling you, it's your own pride that has caused you to cut off your, your Nathans. But I'm telling you, the devil is absolutely a liar. You need him. You need her. Yeah. But she was just hard. She was just too real. You need her. I'm not talking about entertaining spiritual abuse. That's a whole other message. And the devil is absolutely a liar. Never put yourself in a position where somebody is abusing you, physically or verbally. I don't, need, I don't care if they call themselves prophet, apostle, pastor, teachers, or whatever. I'm not telling you to put yourself in a, in a position where you are being abused. The devil is absolutely a liar. This is what I am telling you. I have people in my life, watch this. If I told them that I fell in a particular area, it would not be a good conversation. It wouldn't be, oh, it's going to be all right, Pastor McGee. Jesus loves you. No, 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 no. They're going to kick my butt. They're going to kick my butt. And I need people in my life who are not just going to let me get comfortable living any kind of way. I need my Nathans, and I'm telling you right now, you need yours. So if you're the individual that I'm talking to, there's somebody you, you rejoicing right now because you like, praise God. I've, I've already, Pastor, I'm, I've done what you're telling everybody else to do right now. I had a rift between me and my Nathan, my Nathanette, and I went to them, and I just made things right. I didn't even care whether they was right or wrong. He didn't even care. I need you in my life because you are part of the accountability if I don't have you in my life, I'm going to wind up falling into something dumb. I made things right. So some of you guys are rejoicing. Praise God. But then there's some of you guys, you cut in your soul. And I'm not here to beat you down. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to tell you, you have another opportunity because God wouldn't send a message to you like this and not give you the grace to make things right. So number one, it's apologizing to God. Number two, it's going and making things right with Nathan again. So that might mean apologizing to Nathan it might mean just picking up the phone a little bit more regular to check in. To say, hey, this is how I'm doing. This is where I'm struggling at. This is what's going on with me. Th there are times when I call my mentors and nothing is wrong. Nothing is wrong at all. Praise God. Many times I call them and nothing is wrong. But I'm doing my check-in. But praise God. When I am struggling in a particular area, and I do struggle, when there are things going on in my soul, when my head ain't right, praise God, I got somebody that I can call. I can pick up the phone and say, I'm not doing well right now. Greg, where you at? Come to my office right now. 
Yes, sir, I'm on my way. You've got to have that in your life if you're going to be successful. Let me tell you the most, pe- the most difficult people, the most difficult people to really have Nathans are the ones who are the most gifted, the most talented, the most anointed. Because those are the individuals who usually really wrestle with pride and they, oh God, they confuse their gift set with their character. They feel as though, how can I be used like this of God and I'm not, and, and, I, and I'm not okay? Man, my gift has nothing to do with my character because the gifts of God are without repentance. God spoke to Jeremiah and he says, before you ever got here, boy, before your mom and daddy ever got together, I had already called you to be a prophet to the nation. Your character has, it has nothing to do with what I put on the inside of you. So never try to judge how God is using you because you could be China today, paper plate tomorrow. Grab your day, Nathan. So if that's you, I want to give you an opportunity to talk to God. Do it right now. Do it right now. Do it right now. Do it right now. There's somebody that's listening to the sound of my voice, and this is what I love about preaching, teaching. This is what I love about the ministry of the Holy Spirit because I could be talking about one thing, and he could be wooing somebody about something else. And there's somebody that's listening to the sound of my voice right now, and while I was ministering, Spirit of God was convicting your heart about your relationship with him. And it's time for you, my friend, to bow your knee to Jesus. <laughs> your first Nathan needs to be Jesus. <laughs> Woo! Before you try to reconcile with somebody, your first Nathan might need to be Jesus. The plan of salvation is really simple, and God didn't make it hard. Mm, he didn't make it hard at all. He says, if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Romans 10 and 9, there's two components of that particular, that, that particular scripture. Number one is lordship. Hmm. Lordship. Number two is savior. It's asking Jesus to run your life. Number two, salvation. Realizing the only way you can be accepted by him is by what he did for you. Because you can't be good enough to be saved. You can't help enough people to be saved. You can't give away enough money. You can't give away enough canned goods to be saved. Only by the blood of Jesus. And if you right now, my friend, there's somebody the Spirit of God is wooing your heart. He's been wooing your heart this entire time. If you will confess and say, Jesus, come on, just repeat it after me. Jesus, I realize that I can't make it to heaven on my own. I need you to save me now. I confess that I'm wrong, but your word is right. I confess I've stumbled sin in my words and my, in my actions. I've sinned in my thoughts. But today, I'm asking you to save me. Today, I'm asking you to be the Lord of my, Lord of my life. Yeah. For that individual that's convicted, they're saying, yes, I'm the one who I've distanced myself from my Nathans. I've cut them off. Some because of some rift that has happened and I just let that that thing just fester there and it's become infected now. And then there's some of you guys, it, there, there was no actual thing that happened. You just put distance. You don't call. You don't talk. And even when you do talk, you're not as transparent as you need to be. Come on. It's time to make things right now. If that's you and you're convicted, I just want you to worship God and begin to talk to him now. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, there are just a couple of things I'd love for you to do. 
Number one, subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episodes will always be in your feed waiting for you, ready when you are. And secondly, if this ministry has impacted your life in any way and you'd love to help us to continue to impact the lives of others, go to our website, empowerthecity.org, and select Give Now. Thank you again for listening to this podcast. We'll see you next time.